APRA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles. Today, our conversation centres around one of our regulated health professions, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health practitioners, who we will call health practitioners during this episode. As part of delivering holistic healthcare, health practitioners work with many other health professionals to protect the public and especially their communities. We talk to health practitioners and their colleagues to find out what this collaboration means to them and community and the potential for the future. We also acknowledge the realities of working in this space and the changes that need to be made for better healthcare delivery, including tackling racism and prejudices. For this conversation, I'd like to introduce our guests. Renee Owen, Program Manager of the Aboriginal Health at Barwon Health and also Chair of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Practice Board of Australia. Hi Tash, I'm a Yorta Yorta Tanarong Aboriginal woman and born and raised and educated and employed on Wadawurrung Country here in Geelong and I've been working in Aboriginal health for over 20 years starting off my health career at Wadawurrung Aboriginal Cooperative uh, where Ed works and I was there for almost 20 years before coming into Barwon Health here at the Geelong Hospital. Mandy Miller, a midwife at Barwon Health. I'm a midwife at um, Barwon Health at Geelong Hospital um, and I worked for 10 years at um, Wadawurrung as the Koori Maternity Services midwife. Um, and worked in partnership with the Aboriginal health worker and health practitioner um, that was assigned to the program. Dr Ed Polliness, GP at Wathorong Aboriginal Cooperative. I'm a GP at Wathorong, the Aboriginal Co-op here in Geelong, and I've been working here for about 10 years, and I've been working mostly in Aboriginal health over the last, well, 20 years. And I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been able to stay in Aboriginal health and to help the community because I have helped without the help of Aboriginal health practitioners. And Damien Rigney, registered nurse at Aboriginal Health Practitioner at the Aboriginal Health Council of South Australia. I'm, uh, I'm actually an Anadity bloke from the lower lakes of the, the River Murray in South Australia, Southeast. Uh, been a health worker and health practitioner for 20 years. Um, a couple of years back, finished the nursing course. So, so apparently I'm a nurse now. Thanks, David, for mentioning um, that you are a health practitioner and were a health worker. I'm wondering if you could explain the difference um, and what each profession will bring to the patient and community. So an Aboriginal health worker, as I understand it, was the generic term for an Aboriginal person employed in a health service that wasn't employed under a discipline. Um, progressively, the health workers now have registration with APRA and some regulation around practice to uh, now be considered Aboriginal health practitioners. Um, and there's been some, you know, some increase in responsibility and skill with that, which is fantastic. Great. And, and Renee, I think you're well placed to extend on this. Can you tell us a bit more about health practitioners and what they do and what they bring? Initially, I learned from some of the elders that I've had contact with uh, over the years that an Aboriginal health worker was identified as an important part of the community and often identified by somebody that was already perhaps a health worker or working in the health area as a person of compassion and that would be useful and beneficial for the community. And um, so, yeah, it's just progressed there, like Damien was saying, it's progressed there in, in terms of training opportunities and um, 
allowing people, Aboriginal health workers, to expand their careers and become practitioners after a level of training and, and becoming registered and then you know, becoming recognised as a important role and profession. Ed, in your day-to-day -day practice, do you work with health practitioners and what's that collaboration like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a, a non-community member or working in a health service that's run by an Aboriginal cooperative, yeah, working alongside Aboriginal health workers and health, and health, health professionals every day means that they can give me all those bits that I don't know about how to work well with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I mean, I'm a, you know, I like to think that I'm a good GP, but, you know, I always need help with cultural awareness, with making sure that the treatments we're organising and the things we're doing for patients, yeah, are appropriate in the context of which we're working with. And it's an amazing thing to be, to be able to supply that health as part of a team with, yeah, health practitioners that really, you know, have the understanding of the community that we're working with. I'm wondering, Ed, whether you have an example of a time recently you've worked with a health practitioner and what that was like and how that gave better healthcare. One of the um, most helpful areas that health practitioners work with me in is, there, is the stolen generation, is the, the bringing them home workers who just have an understanding that I never could of what it could be like to be you know, removed from your family or have family members removed from you and how much that affects your life ongoingly and can really be an emphasis of how we can make appropriate treatments for patients that we see, taking into account that knowledge and that skill that a health practitioner has in bridging that gap for me. Mandy, could you talk about that working as a team and, and what that's like to work with people from all different disciplines and um, to support community? So when I um, first started um, my role as the Koori Maternity Services midwife, I was unknown to the community. So the um, health worker was the one who introduced me, took me into the homes, um, you know, they trusted her. So then there was an amount of trust for me. Um, it, my cultural education, um, it comes down to, to the health workers that I've worked with. Um, like Ed said, you know, they, they give you that insight and, and the direction and, and the ways that things can be explained. Um, I suppose another one was that they often had the, the background story. So, you know, some people, um, women might not have been coming to their appointments, um, you know, did not attend, did not exist in our vocabulary because it was, why did they not attend? Let's go find them. Um, and the health worker would know whose house should we go to first? Um, you know, what might be going on in the community or in the family's life that can be impacting on the pregnancy? Um, so, you know, that was valuable knowledge that, um, you know, it took me 10 years to develop. <laughs> Renee, could you talk about some other benefits that uh, health practitioners bring to the profession and their patients? Just extending on from what both Ed and Mandy were talking about is that cultural knowledge that you just can't, you just can't learn that overnight and you can't buy that knowledge. It's so valuable. And most often um, the importance of Aboriginal practitioners to be that um, referral point and a point of information or point of contact and the conduit between um, the community and the practitioners and the, and the health services and building that trust because we know that there is that 
is a real trust issue um, with some of our mob and and mainstream or and you know non-Aboriginal health professionals. So um, I think too, like Mandy was saying, we're a cultural education point as well for an, our non-Aboriginal colleagues even, and encouraging them um, and showing them and modelling um, culturally appropriate practices and you know right from clinical clinical service delivery but also communicating with Aboriginal people and their families and children. The other thing that was really important um, for, with the role of the Aboriginal um, practitioner was um, around that um, connection with the mainstream services. So, you know, our women had to birth at Geelong Hospital. So, and so we, and sometimes we had to have appointments in at the hospital to see um, obstetricians and specialists. So we went along with them. We helped with the transport. Um, we helped them feel safe in, the, in that mainstream environment. And we also supported them with the birth. So, um, you know, we were able to advocate for them around not only their cultural needs, but their, you know, also their spiritual needs and their family needs. Um, and, you know, that, that is a role that um, might seem insignificant to people because they don't understand the value, but for the community, um, that was such an important and integral part of the program. Damien, speaking of things that people might overlook or not notice, what things do you think need to change to improve the way that, um, that the healthcare system works in Australia to make um, healthcare more accessible and, and safer and better for community? Contribution to the design, contribution to what the focus areas are by the community themselves. I really feel is a big gap. It's all too regular that money comes into a region, is given to uh, perhaps a non-Indigenous service and it's to focus on Aboriginal issues uh, or an Aboriginal service of some description and it misses the mark. Uh, and that's not to knock the service that receives the money, but it does point out and highlight the need to have local people um, with knowledge and skills in the area contributing to design, delivery, evaluation and every aspect of service delivery that's focused on that as a community um, and in my mind that's the progressive um, that's the progression for the Aboriginal health practitioner great in service application great in uh, bridging cultural gaps between service providers uh, and the community that's the fundamental and, and really the, the, the core of what they do but these people are developing knowledge and skills know their community intimately and can design a service that meets their needs um, when you get good contributions from good health professionals around to, to be part of the design and the build of these projects, that's when you see success. So I, I really think that uh, health worker uh, professional recognition needs to not only extend to a service delivery, but concept, design, management, delivery, every aspect of, of a service. Uh, these Aboriginal people with these skills and experience in the areas have to be part of this. Otherwise it's uh, gonna miss the mark off here. It's about um, self-determination at every single level and aspect of healthcare. Do you have examples of programs that have been designed by community? Have you worked in any of those areas? Absolutely. The program that springs to mind, uh, I was working in uh, a rural town here in South Australia uh, and there was a women's health program designed by a local Aboriginal woman, uh, worked for the local Aboriginal health service and a GP. The two of them um, struck up a really trusted friendship um, that evolved 
into the two of them getting together and talking about how they service Aboriginal women well. Um, they had in incredible participation by these Aboriginal women in this space that was designated to their health and their needs um, that I had, hadn't seen the likes of before. Uh, and, it, and again, it's, it's the partnership between the local person who knows the community and the health professional who has the knowledge and skill about what exactly medically perhaps that meant. They come together well and they delivered uh, a women's health program that I've not seen uh, the likes of around my state in the past or, or since. Wow. When I was at Wotheron, we initiated some discussions um, with the Geelong Hospital where I am now. So back then, uh, we had a very good relationship with maternity services and we built up a rapport with the different unit managers and the postnatal ward and we had a community reference group and we did some focus groups around uh, how we might be able to better provide uh, services for Aboriginal women in the hospital and non-Aboriginal women having Aboriginal babies and what they needed to make their pregnancy journey and experience better than perhaps their last time. And so there was a number of things, but one of them was that we developed a birthing room here at Geelong Hospital and um, we commissioned a piece of artwork, but it was very much community led, uh, led by the women. And we had traditional owners and elders and really talked about what um, it was culturally appropriate. And um, so we've got a beautiful art installation on a one whole wall of our birthing suite, which is now translated up into up to the postnatal ward. And the artwork has been slightly tweaked from pregnant woman to a woman actually having and holding a baby. And so the artwork up on the, our postnatal ward is amazing and it's all been driven by community women. That's fantastic. Mandy. Aboriginal women have uh, at higher risk during pregnancy than non-Indigenous women. So um, a lot of our women used to have to be seen um, fairly regularly by the obstetricians at the hospital. Um, and the, the women didn't want to go. And um, so we were in discussions with one of the obstetricians in particular, um, and with that feedback from the community and everything, we were able to actually set up um, a relationship with the hospital where um, two obstetricians took it month of hour and they actually came out to Wotherong and saw our high risk women out there. Um, so they were able to build a relationship and it was almost like having a, a private obstetrician care because we were having that same obstetrician and if we needed to go into the hospital, um, it was her plan that was followed um, and not everyone um, changing the, the goal post as, as the care went on. Um, and you know, we went from where we were dragging the women in and making them sit and wait to having a 98% um, attendance rate um, for the obstetric care at Wotherong, you know, just being able to collaborate that care together. Being able to work with the non-Aboriginal professionals um, and build that rapport and trust and professional respect for one another too. And sometimes it's a bit difficult for non-Aboriginal clinicians and practitioners to be challenged and step outside than they're normal and what they've been taught and what their values are. But I think that um, organisations that have successful non-Aboriginal professionals are the ones that are prepared to be challenged and the ones that are prepared to put their hand up and say, I don't know and I want to learn. And I would often go to Ed if I was doing something for Mandy and I would go to Ed and I would say, um, I need to get this woman to have a, to have a blood 
blood test or an ultrasound and and Ed and the other GPs would have that respect to be able to do that and work together collaboratively for the best outcome. Sometimes you have to just think outside the box and be a bit flexible and creative. As a GP, you have the skills and you have the knowledge of disease in chronic disease like diabetes or in the care of kids, but it's not working and, and for whatever reason. And having a, a health practitioner you can go to and say, you know, what are your ideas? You know this community better than anyone else here ever will. Where are we getting it wrong? And how, we, how we, you know, can we follow you in creating a program for diabetes, for the care of children in out-of-home care, for following up the areas that we, you know, we know that we're not meeting what we know we can. How can we do this? And working in a working in a place like Wadarong and in other you know, Aboriginal cooperatives, where really the programs are developed by health practitioners and by the community, and as a health profession you fit into that, is such a rewarding job. You know, when you have that good collaboration between um, a community-controlled organisation and a um, mainstream service, what ends up happening is that within the mainstream service, you end up having um, cultural champions. You know, people who um, have really taken on board what they've learnt and then they educate others. And, um, you know, you, you then start to have a mainstream service that is looking at, well, how can we help the Aboriginal community here? What, you know, what things can we put in place that make a difference? And, you know, um, with our birth room, and um, it's not only Aboriginal women that are really enjoying that room, you know, other um, non-Indigenous women are coming in and saying, oh, can I have that room? It's so relaxing in there. I had to come in for an appointment. I had it there and it's calming and, you know, and it starts the story. Why, why have we got this? What does this mean? What does this painting represent? So, you know, there's that flow on effect um, across into the mainstream services, which I think is, is great too. Ed, what are some of the challenges that you see and face day to day? I think that the issues that we see out of, you know, the stolen generation are issues that, you know, I personally don't know how to deal with. So that's why it's it's great working with health health practitioners. And the others are, you know, the other sad stories that we see of kids in out-of-home care, kids who are being looked after by the state or for whatever reason their parents aren't, aren't there. And, yeah, that's really hard. So working with a team of people who understand the community and also as a health professional being able to debrief with, you know, health practitioners who are part of the community and get feedback of what am I doing well? What can I improve? How can I do things differently? You know, and can you apologize to that family if I, if I did get things wrong? I think that's amazing. And that's one of the things that I, you know, I really love about working you know, with health practitioners and for an Aboriginal community is that we get to have junior doctors through and teach them you know, the richness of working with an Aboriginal health practitioner and not having to do it all yourself and not having to understand, you know, the complexities that takes a lifetime or multiple, you know, multiple lifetimes to understand that there's resources, there's people we work alongside with, you know, in parallel with who have all these skills and you can focus on the areas that you're really good at as well as part of a team.
Damien, speaking of having skills, what are some of the things that you teach to the other health professionals who you work with? First things first, um, come into the, the, the service that you're, that you're working for, bring your skills, bring your knowledge, um, and be, be part of the collective that finds the solutions, um, fundamentally first and foremost. And then each individual pops up their, their areas where they need some support. Um, all, all too commonly, uh, the, the, the social circumstances of Aboriginal families is quite often a long way from what an individual, a non-Indigenous individual may know. Um, so, you know, you're quite often talking about levels of, um, you know, perhaps unemployment, um, perhaps generational uh, unemployment and, you know, domestic violence and all the stories that we all hear too commonly. Uh, and in, in a real context and in a clinical context can be confronting for some of the health professionals. So talking through what that means and, and uh, the practicality of it and the application to care, what, what that can mean for care. And, uh, I mean, it can be as simple as... Um, Handing a script to a to a person doesn't mean a person's getting medication. Let's let's you know let's understand what what that's going to mean. And you know now we have our CTG uh, uh, opportunity, so that's much less of an issue. But that points out that hey, we're we're quite often a long way away. So, but no no one right answer. Every individual will come in with uh, ideas and, and headsets, and it's just a matter of talking about what those headsets are, what what they mean to the application of care. Um, Doctor Ed seems to be across this one quite quite a lot, um, just, just understanding uh, the playing the role in the community, which I think is really good. Can I go back to something you said a little bit when you introduced yourself, Dr. Ed? Um, you said that you're not part of the community. I've got to challenge you on that one, Doc. I, 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 you might not be an, in, uh, an Aboriginal individual, but you're part of a community because you're the man that goes into that community and provides care. So therefore you are part of that collective community. Thank you for that. That I totally agree. <laughs> you know, a lot of community have his number, and um, you know, some recently even we've had some some sorry business in the community, and I just rang Dr. Ed. Although I'm not at Wathering anymore, I rang Dr. Ed, and I just expressed some concerns, and you know, and he was very kind enough to say, get them to ring me anytime. I'll go and see them, and you know, at the home. So you're right. He is very much part of the community. One of the things I really love working with. Aboriginal health practitioners in, is in palliative care, which traditionally I, you know, have always thought was a sad and challenging area of health, but working with the community and with people who understand the community in making, you know, end of life as good as it possibly can be, especially for elders, is an amazing job. And to be able to work with someone who really is making that comfortable for not only the individual, but the family and the community, is such a rich thing to be part of. I think that practitioners have been particularly challenged around the country at the moment um, with the pandemic and with COVID. And I know that practitioners, um, at, and, and I've seen evidence of, you know, on social media about many practitioners stepping up and being a big part of the service delivery for the community, whether that's the testing or, or, or any part, or just still keeping a sense of normality in their community for the, the members um, in the, well, the members of their services and community that are that are struggling right now around isolation and and even if they are unwell, so they're playing a big part in in all sorts of things. But most commonly now, COVID. Mandy, could you talk about some of the really rewarding parts of what you do and what brightens your days? 
just with um, saying that Ed's part of the community and since leaving Wotherong, it's probably the, the thing I missed the most is um, that um, family, that, that part of the community, they do embrace you. They embraced me and they embraced my children. And, um, you know, it, it, is, it is a beautiful um, feeling. Um, and, you know, yeah, I had um, over 200 births when I worked there and, um, you know, four or five babies with, with some women. And I had um, mothers and daughters, even at the same time, I had cousins and sisters and aunties and nieces. Um, so you become a family midwife. Um, and, you know, so then the toddlers grow up and, and they um, hear me or see, saw me in at the health service and they'd run to me and call me auntie. And, um, you know, there was just, it was just such a beautiful feeling. It, you know, it's been um, just gone two years since I left and, and it's um, the work I miss. I miss that work. I, I miss the teamwork with the, the health practitioner. Um, you know, and the camaraderie that we had and um, the cultural parts of the program that we developed, you know, we made a placenta planting um, garden and, um, you know, just to bring back some sense of culture around the birth process. And, um, you know, the, it's, every day was different. Um, and there were challenges and there was heartache. There was, you know, child protection issues and drug and alcohol issues and social concerns and everything. But um, it was warm. It was beautiful. It was friendly. It was um, caring. And, and we did it as a family, you know. And there was even one young girl, I took her shopping to, to get a few things that, that she needed for the baby. And um, the checkout chick said, Oh, you're so lucky that your mum will do this for you. So you know, we had a bit of a giggle about that. And um, sadly, or however you want to put it, um, the the midwife and the Aboriginal health worker were the most consistent women that were in these young girls' lives. You know, we were the we nurtured them and tried to teach them so that they could learn how to nurture their baby. You know, um, there's such um, such social impact on these young girls um, that if you know we want to break that cycle um, it, it's the most rewarding job I ever did most rewarding and you know now I see some of the women come in for, for babies or for appointments or things at the hospital and um, and they see me and it's it's, it's like I've, I've seen a family member, you know, it's, it's that warmth is there straight away or they'd say, oh, I, hope I was hoping I'd see you when I was here today. And, you know, it's, it's a lifelong, I don't know, it's, it's in your heart, it's in your blood. Damien, could you talk about some rewarding and fulfilling parts of what you do? Well, it's all, it's all rewarding, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm really lucky. I started health work 20 years ago. Um, had no idea what I was doing, none at all. Um, but I've stuck around. So there's clearly reward there. Should we throw to Ed? It is being part of a community. You know, when I take my kids to watch them play, you know, when our teenagers play football, occasionally you know, we're playing against someone. And after the game, a kid will run over to me on the boundary line and thank me, who from the opposition team, who I didn't even recognise was a kid I, you know, have seen at Wutherong or looked after him when he was little or her, yeah, it's an amazing part of being part of something. And it's also, you know, amazing 
to work with health practitioners to to try and get the best health for every every patient you see. It's great. It really does make a difference if you've got an Aboriginal person, a non-Aboriginal clinician that is willing to stand up and and step up and advocate and champion for Aboriginal health. Um, you know that is that can only be for the best outcomes of our mob and our communities, um, health outcomes, but also. You know, for the, for the benefit of ourselves as well, whether that's for our own professional learning. Um, but ultimately, it's for the best outcomes of them all, really. And, you know, which is going to impact better lives and better outcomes and, and, you know, and also impact the future. Speaking of the future, Mandy, what would you like to see in the future of healthcare? And what would you like, what changes would you like to be a part of? It's around um, that self-determination, you know, Aboriginal people having a voice and, and being heard, not just a box to be ticked. The, the better our um, babies, the healthier our babies are born, the healthier their childhood is, the better their education is, the better that their adult life's going to be, the better that their children are going to be. I have a real joy and a confidence that that is happening. I've seen it happening and, um, you know, we're very lucky here in Geelong because I, I believe the hospital is very receptive to Aboriginal health and that they are listening, you know, and yeah, sure, there's still some boxes that are just getting ticked, but overall, I think they are listening and, um, and, and that voice is getting stronger for Aboriginal people. I'd love, you know, sort of more health professionals to understand that working with you know a community that really is focused on their health and able to, to develop programs for their health is an amazing thing to do it's an amazing thing to be part of and that's what i'd love for the future is that you know people are banging down the door health professionals whether they be indigenous or non-indigenous are banging down the door to try and work with aboriginal health services and other places that employ health practitioners to be part of the care of patients. It definitely sounds like a future I'd like to be a part of. Thank you so much to my guests, Renee, Mandy, Damien and Ed. Thank you for the important work that you do and for sharing your voice with us here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Taking Care. Why not listen to another episode by searching for Taking Care in your podcast player and you can also subscribe to get the latest episodes. If you have any questions or feedback, please email communications at afra.gov.au. Thanks for listening.